0: Thank Hello and welcome to another edition of Head in the Game, a podcast about Queen's GAA. My name is Conor Caldwell, a development officer working with the clubs here at Queen's University and we are trying to bring you all the latest news and views from across the five codes of GAA in which we compete. We're entering the busy part of our championship season at the minute and on the pod I'm joined today by Mark Doran, the head coach of the Ladies Gaelic football team, by Gavin Duffy, the chair of the Conor McGurk Cup organising committee, by Rory Laverty, the captain of our senior hurling side and towards the end by Aidan O'Rourke of Queens Sport, who's going to look back on the McKenna Cup campaign that our senior footballers completed on Wednesday night away in Newry. A special word of thanks at the start of the pod to Deal Farm, our sponsors and partners with the Elite Athlete Programme, who provide protein milk for our players after training sessions and matches to ensure that they're ready to compete at the highest level. So we're going to begin this week's pod with a bit of hurling chat and Gavin Duffy, as I said the chair of the organising committee for the Conor McGurk Cup, joined me to answer a few questions about the origins of the competition, how it's gone in 2019 and what his hopes are for that competition in the future. The final of the competition takes place this Saturday the 12th of January at Queen's Board Upper Malone on the Arena Field and it's going to be contested by Ulster University and by Downe. Close matches as expected, both teams won their group games comfortably and seem to be pretty well matched. A couple of down players in fact in on the starting team for Ulster University, a couple of past students of Queen's as well including ashi McManus and current Queen's student Tom Murray is going to be playing for down on the evening, so a bit of Queen's interest there as well. So I began by asking Gavin to tell me a little bit about the history of the Connor McGurk Cup and what it means for Queen's to be involved in that competition.
1: The Conor McGurk competition is named to honour the memory of a hurling uh, past member, Conor McGurk, who died as a young man in 2014. Conor was a very active member of the Queen's University hurling club. He himself played in two Fitzgibbon finals and was twice picked as goalkeeper on the combined University's team, which as anybody involved in University hurling knows is the highest accolade that any player can individually get. The competition itself was entered its fifth year and... I know the feedback over the years has been very, very positive. It gives competitive games at this time of year to allow preparation for both the colleges for their championships and also those teams that enter for getting ready for the National League. And the feedback over the last five years has been hugely encouraging um, from all those who have competed in it.
0: Definitely, that's been my experience over the last few years that the tournament's going from strength to strength and there's more teams interested. There was a great buzz at the games over the, over the holidays especially tell us a little bit about how those games went and how the tournament's been going so far
1: the tournament this year has provided us with some very very competitive games and um, and it was great to see fermanagh make their first entry into the tournament this time round. and i know that they have benefited from the groups of the, uh, the games in their group in regards to playing queens and also playing down and uh, the other group jordan's town armagh and Throne come up with some very competitive games between them but in that case, we ended up seeing that a very, very strong Jordanstown team um, progressed through, where they're going to meet an, a strong Down team, and. To be honest, it, it'll be a very, very evenly keen final, evenly match final, sorry. Um, both teams have shown a lot of progress throughout the tournament and has seen, have seen a lot of development in the Jordan's Town team, which has been very good in their section of it. And also the Down team seems to be um, settling quite well and I was lucky enough actually to watch Down in a challenge game as well with Antrim at the weekend. We're down, were very, very impressive. So we're looking forward to a great final on Saturday evening, actually it's the second time we've had these two teams in the final over the last number of years and I don't think there'll be too much between it and maybe this time round we might actually see a university team win the Conor McGurk uh, tournament for the first time but it's a downer strong team and it'll take a good effort from Georgetown to maybe get over the line on that one.
0: Yeah, I suppose Down have become a regular fixture in this final, previous winners and also very unlucky last year to come up against a very strong Antrim side. I suppose that that Antrim team that won it went on to play very well in the early part of the year and drew with Dublin and had some very good other performances in the National League, probably a wee bit unlucky to get relegated in the end. But I'm wondering what's the future for the tournament, Gavin? Uh, Where do you see the tournament going in the next couple of years and what sort of innovations and changes would you like to see?
1: Hopefully next year we'll see the other Ulster counties who weren't able to take part in the competition this year for various reasons, and they'll be able to join us again for the competition next year. As I say, it's been hugely positive this year seeing Fermanagh in it for the first time, and I know the other counties in previous years, the likes of the Donegals and the Derry's, who've been involved with us in Antrim, have got a lot out of the competition. So hopefully next year and in the years following, we'll be able to build it up again and be able to get those counties back involved with us, and hopefully that'll help us keep continuing to grow the competition and develop it into a beneficial competition for all the counties involved in Ulster and we really look forward to obviously the fame on Saturday evening and then hopefully sitting down and looking and speaking to the counties and their managements next year and trying to get more of those counties involved but I think overall the competition itself serves a great purpose as I mentioned earlier on in the interview it allows the universities and the counties to get something beneficial out of it obviously at different stages in their seasons and um, the universities are trying to peak and get ready for their championship with the, the inter-county teams are obviously just getting ready for their inter- the league season starting so it gives everybody something and hopefully the, we will continue to provide that in association with Star Council through Queen's Sport and that will allow us to continue to do that over the next number of years.
0: So thanks very much to Gavin for joining us earlier on the pod to talk about the 2019 Conan Cup. And I suppose just a quick recap on how the tournament went this year. There were two sections, six teams in all. There was Queen's, Jordanstown, Fermanagh, Down, Armagh and Tyrone. And in the A section, Jordanstown got off to a very comfortable win over Armagh and went on then to beat Tyrone to reach the final. Uh, In the other game in that group, uh, Armagh beat Tyrone. It was a very close game. I think they won 221 to not 019. In Group B, which was the group that Queen's uh, played in, Down got off to a very good start against themselves with a comfortable enough win and then went on to beat Fermanagh. It was up at that game. And actually, Fermanagh played very, very well for most of the game. Down just had a little bit of class around the middle of the park, which suppose set them apart but for Manu played very well a great first entry into the competition And then there was another great game actually between Queens and Fermanagh. Queens got five goals and won 5-11 to one fourteen. So Fermanagh certainly holding their own in this year's Conor McGurk Cup. So as I said earlier, the final is this Saturday, the 12th of January. And it throws in at 7pm at the Dub Arena. Tickets are purchased at the gate and they are £5. And afterwards, we're proud as always to welcome the McGurk family to Queens to join with the two teams in in the annual McGurk Cup banquet uh, where there'll be a Man of the Match award presented and indeed the trophy so it'll be interesting to see if jordan's time can become the first university team to win the competition i saw the teams today will maybe release those in the, the the lead up to the final and there's two really strong teams on show a couple of current and past queen's university students playing just to pick out two uh, tom murray has been playing very well for down so far in the competition In around the middle of the park and Asheen McManus, a Queen student up until last year, will be crossing the barricade, so to speak, when he wears Jordanstown blue in that particular match. Ashin was a fresher footballer, and indeed hurdled for us for three years, and is a, a member of the the Down intercounty panel as well. So plenty to look out for, a great tournament which is sure to have a fantastic end and hopefully we'll see some of you there at that game. So sticking with the hurling theme, I also caught up this week with Rory Laverty. Rory is the chair of the student hurling club at Queen's, he's also the captain of the senior hurling team which will be competing in the Ryan Cup again this year. With some tricky ties ahead, they have to play IT Tralee and Athlone IT, they're in group B of the Ryan Cup. The other side of the draw features UUJ, GMIT and IT Sligo. So, a good chance to qualify for the finals weekend. We played IT Sligo in the competition last year, along with GMIT and Maynooth, and we found it going pretty tough. Maynooth out of the competition this year, which I think gives us a great opportunity to find a bit of success and to make the finals weekend. So, I put a couple of questions to Rory about what he expected to get from the season and how things were going so far.
2: In terms of results, it was a bit of a mixed bag, losing two down and then winning against Vimana. Uh We stayed with Down for a good 40-45 minutes of the game, but they managed to just pull away in the end. And then it was a tough game with Vermana, but we managed to get the goals which seen us through to get the win. Uh, preparation-wise, it's great. The best way to prepare it is by playing matches. It improves your match fitness and gets you up to speed with the game. Uh, it's hard to get games at this time of the year as well, with teams only starting out in pre-season so to get the minutes on the field on your belt is great. Well
0: absolutely as you say I suppose all the minutes on the field count at this time of year and getting games within the context of a competitive competition are bound to be good for us in the long run. I suppose one of the things that's going to be a bit different about entering into the Rand cup is that we have to be on the road for a bit of it. Probably got the short straw this year in the competition insofar as we have to give up home advantage for a neutral venue against Tralee. tell us a bit about the objectives and the aims for the for the competition ahead i know that uh, we were close last year but not really at the level but by all reports in spite of the fact that we've we lost a lot of key players at the end of last year there have been some big individual improvements throughout the year so far under the tutelage of pat ryan i'm thinking of lads like owen Maguire who've really kicked on to a new level so so tell us a bit about the goals and objectives over the next couple of weeks as you enter into your final stage of preparation
2: so we have athlone IT, AT, AT and truly and a ryancock group Athlone IT we've had some great battles with over the last few years and Tralee IT won the league there in November so both are going to be really tough games. Over the next few weeks we've a few challenge games organised so there's plenty of competition for places within the squad so as a player you want to be making an impression and nailing down your place on the team and as a squad we want to be creating a good atmosphere and a good team spirit to bring into these matches. Yes, and I suppose that league
0: victory for IT Trilly and those recent battles with Carlo, I suppose they're they're symptomatic of wider changes in the game in terms of the growth of the sport in places like County Kerry and around the Midlands in counties, which maybe wouldn't traditionally have been seen as hurling counties, and the universities, uh, I suppose, have a, a huge part to play in that. In terms of our own position within Ulster hurling, Where are we at the minute with hurling around the province and what are Queen's doing within the context of attempts to improve the game and to, uh, I suppose, regenerate interest and the standards of Ulster hurling?
2: I think mindset and the belief that you can compete is a big challenge which all contributes to a good team spirit. And the Queen's management, Sean, Pat and Stevie have done really well to try and instill that in us as a squad this year. They're forever showing us Wee videos and wee clips of examples like the 1989 Antrim team, which got to the All Ireland finals to show that, I suppose, belief and um, team spirit can go a long way.
0: And just before I let you go, as well as the McGurk Cup final this Saturday, we have something a bit different and quite interesting happening up at the dub. There's the annual Inter Varsities Shinty Hurling Camogie competition between uh, Queen's and a, a sort of a combined shinty team from over in Scotland. Just quickly tell us a wee bit about that before you head on.
2: So over the last few years, Queen's University's hurling and camogie teams have hosted Scottish universities male and female shinty teams and played them in a combined rules game. It's a good way to showcase the sport and enjoy hurling without having to worry about performance or results. And I suppose it's a good way to socialise with other people from a different sporting background well absolutely and of
0: course that side of things is something which has to be enjoyed while the opportunities are there Rory thanks very much for joining me on the pod this week and look forward to catching up with you later in the season So that concludes the hurling chat for this week's pod and we're going to move on now to talk about Ladies Gaelic football in the company of our senior team manager, Mark Doran. Mark is a vastly experienced coach having taken a number of teams both at club and county level across Ulster and he is in his second year as the head coach here at Queen's. Last year he led us to the O'Connor Shield final and indeed victory in that competition. We beat NUIG with Joanne Dunan, our captain and Fermanagh County star, lifting the shield uh, for Queen's. Of course, we've got great history in the O'Connor Cup uh, recent winners, as recently as uh, 2013 in fact, and I think we were beaten in the final the year after, narrowly. So I caught up with Mark and I began by asking him about the league campaign before Christmas and what lessons were learned from that.
3: The league campaign went reasonably well. We had four games within our group. The first one was away to Manouf, where we picked up a very good win. Um, after that, there we had a home game against Athlone and we were able to back it up with a second win, a second very good performance. After that, we were due to play DCU. Now, DCU had beaten us last year, so that was a tough ask going down there. And we went down and managed to eke out a very impressive two point win against a very, very high quality team. That left us with a tablet table clash against UCD. On the day we didn't play well. There's no point in hiding from that. Um, there were mistakes both on the pitch and on the line from ourselves as a management team which we had to hold our hands up to. It's just one of those things like when you're playing a high standard of opposition you know you have to match them. But still that left us in second place within the group and we had a semi-final on neutral ground against Limerick. Another very high quality team full of players from Cork, Kerry, Mayo, Galway. Um, On the day We actually played very very well The big difference was simply The ability to take goals We took one and they took a number of goals And we had quite a number of chances But it's just at this level You can't afford to drop off Um, You must take a chance When they present themselves What have we learned from the league We've developed A larger panel um, Than what I first thought we would have, but with a lot of girls that have now playing experience at that level, we have learned how we want to play going forward, our tactics, how we're going to implement them into our game plan and how we're going to put that in place against UCD and uh, NUAG in the group matches. Uh, We've learned what players can play in what positions. So, it's Overall, the league has been a very, very um, worthwhile experience for us and we've, we've taken an awful lot from it.
0: Well, that's great news, Mark. Tell us a bit about what you're expecting from the O'Connor group stages.
3: I'm actually looking forward to the group stages of the O'Connor. We have two very good teams in our group. We have UCD and we have NUHE. Um, first up will be UCD on the 6th of February, that game's at home. Um, like I said already, they've beat us in the... The group stages of the league but look it's a challenge it's they're against the we're against the top team in the in the country at the moment they'll be hot favorites for the o'connor but you know we've prepared well for it we're working hard as we as we speak and um, we have a number of friendlies lined up so we're working through our plans here at the moment we're putting everything in place for that game um like i've said already before that We've actually developed a, a large panel this year because of the nature of Queen's and the academic responsibilities that the girls have. Not everybody was available for every game so we've had to use different players in different games and we've exposed a lot of players at a very high level of competition. So we have quite a number of girls, possibly about 25, 26, that are well capable of playing football at this level and that creates that competition for places. So that's going to be excellent going forward. So. Like I say, UCD up initially, and then three weeks after that there we have NUAG. NUAG, now, we played them last year in the O'Connor Shield final. They're a very, very good team. Um, so we know to qualify for the O'Connor Cup itself, we need to at least win one of those games. Um, if Obviously, if we win both, in theory, we should have a... a well supposedly an easier semi-final, but when you look at the other group with UL, UCC and DC unit, realistically, there's probably no easy games in the O'Connor at this stage. So, uh, not looking forward to the group stages and looking forward to the weekend, which we've already qualified for because of our performances in, in in previous competitions.
0: So I suppose a big difference this year is that the O'Connor Cup is a much smaller competition with only six teams
3: competing. What are the advantages and disadvantages of this situation? It's good to be thought of among the top six universities within Ireland um, at this level of uh, competition. Uh, But I think our results bear that out. Like last year we uh, in Division 1, we just missed out on the semi-finals and points difference. This year we made the league semi-finals and we were very competitive throughout. Last year we won the O'Connor Shield. So we're competing against these top um, universities and we're competing well and we're winning games. Now we want to take that next step and... To beat the very best but um, we will get that opportunity over the next number of weeks to, to do that. The fact that we know that we've made the weekend means we can plan ahead because we need to generate revenue. Obviously the university doesn't pay for it the weekend, the girls have to pay for it themselves. So it's an opportunity for them to be upskilled, to learn, to develop um, and to put up a little bit of thought into the process of how we're actually going to re- to raise the money and the plan that we get sell from logistics and what have you uh, from a plan perspective because we're now two months out and we know that we're going to be there we're able to adapt our training we're able to develop our tactics because we, need, we know we need to be flexible because different teams play in different ways so we'll be looking to remove uh, the strengths of the opposition and to develop the strengths of ourselves so that we ultimately we're maximising the chances of, of winning games The other big advantage is because probably you have a couple of less games this year, there's less pressure on the girls. The counties are now up and running and the Armas, the Trones, the Monons etc, they're all putting pressure on the girls. They want to be very successful themselves. So if there's less pressure on the girls to play for numerous teams, um, it takes the pressure off them, it takes the pressure off us, takes the pressure off the county teams and we can look at after the player welfare a little bit more and uh, hopefully we have a strong panel going into the weekend um, of fully fit players who have been well well tested and battle-hardened over the last couple of months and are going in on a high on the back of uh, hopefully quite a number of very positive results.
0: Indeed so who would you see as the leaders in the squad this year what players should we be looking out for come competition time?
3: Connor, as I've already alluded that we have quite a number of high quality footballers that are among our ranks this year. You have Eimear McInnesby there who won a University Blue last year, um, and McCambridge and Alicia Duffy who have represented also this year at the Interprose. On top of that we've been recently bolstered with Slana McCarroll joining the panel. Slana is just taking up her degree now so uh, she's going to add massively to, the, to us going forward. On top of that, if the likes of Julie Kern they're in goals, Orla McGuire in defence, Avian McHugh, um, Chloe McGill, and uh, Granny McLaughlin, who is showing tremendous promise there at the moment. So plenty of excellent footballers. Kim White as well, who's joined the panel. Uh, Kim's come up from Dublin. And on top of that, we have girls who are returning to the panel from injury. Um, over the last number of months, the likes of Eamon O'Rourke, Niamh Trainer, Mairead Kavanagh. Niamh McIntosh and Sarah Britton as well. They're all recovering from their knocks and bumps and bruises and they're going to add massively to the panel going forward. And so
0: in addition to some of the players that you mentioned, who would be some of the younger players that are breaking through this year?
3: Connor, we've actually had quite a number of good actually excellent young footballers come into the panel this year. Um, Just the nature of university football, we lost some uh, top quality footballers from last year, the likes of Sarah McCausland and Johan Dunan, etc. are no longer um, at the university but it's been top quality individuals like that have been replaced by some really, really talented footballers coming through the likes of Anna MacDonald, Orla Duffy, um Eva McConnell, um and Neve Real. Neve Real has been in outstanding form and our Ma will be over the moon at the the form she's shown at the moment with them heading into the league. On top of that there you factor in Murn McCrenner, Una Lavery, um Keira McQuillan So like it's a lot of very very talented young footballers um, just add like I say girls I've already mentioned and even the likes of uh, Neve Coleman there, who's flying this last couple of games um, we really have a, a, a panel that I think could be reckoned with anybody um, and overall our panel is, is still quite young I think we only lose possibly maybe five maybe six girls from a panel of 25-26 that will be representing us in the Division 1 competition So uh, the vast, vast majority of those girls are going to be there for next year. Um, So things are looking looking very bright for Queen's at the moment. Of course, we're highlighting
0: there perhaps some of our more well-known players. But one of the big changes in women's sport in Queen's in the last few years has been, I suppose, the very rapid growth in participation. And last year we had two pretty huge squads and it looks like the same is the case this year. Tell us a bit about the importance of that second squad and uh, how that helps you in terms of player development.
3: Connor, the role of the second team within the university just cannot be underestimated. The strength of the team, it's not really a team, it's actually, this is a club, this is a family ethos and spirit that we have at the moment. Um, And it was there last year and it's been very evident that it's there this year as well. When you have the likes of Vanessa Boyd and Niamh Quinn, who are the captain and vice-captain for the team this year, those girls really are leading by example. And setting you know set a really high standard, but it's not just about what they're doing on the field it's the camaraderie off the field and the friendships and the bonds that are made and they really are made for life so the the importance of the second team and just the greater club just like I say it just cannot be um overestimated it's It's a massive advantage to have such a strong uh, united bond of players behind us. I know you've touched on
0: some of this already, but it's your second year in charge of the side. How does this year feel compared to last year, and what's it like taking a side at Queen's?
3: Both last year, to a certain degree, it was a steep learning curve for ourselves when we first came in. Um, you have to learn, obviously, the resources that you have at hand, um, both as a backup and as you're the players actually themselves. You're learning very quickly about the opposition, the nature of the competition. Um, you're learning how the travelling takes out of players. You're you know how to plan for, um, your food and the academic responsibilities that the girls have, so that they're not missing class, etc. This year, because of that experience from last year, we're probably a lot more prepared. We know what we're doing, and uh, we're maybe not as daunted, um, going into the experience. So uh, no, look, it's it's like everything in life. The more experience you get, the more the more prepared you are for it. Um, and what's it like taking a team of queen stature? Listen. When you have the likes of the the backup that you have within Queens, it, it's second to none. You know, like we have physios at every games, we have stats and video analysis. The backup of Mike McGurn there with the strength and conditioning, like it's alluded to already, um, the food, uh, you know, before and after matches and what have you. We have goalkeeping coaching, and just the extended management team that that are, are working with myself at the moment. You know, we have Neil Markey and Joanne Doonan. Um, supporting myself and Keelan Handron um Caelan has a tremendous mind and you know is very very clued in about the, about the game and an extremely good coach so to work with individuals like that there it's 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 a great privilege and coaching a side like queens it, from personal experience it's a it's it's a great learning experience um it's a tremendous honor to work with the university of the stature and to work with these type of players like i said players from all over the province and from further afield you know like if girls are from mantra the likes of kiva stewart excellent footballers and like i've mentioned others already the are my girls chloe Neve, cloda um our tron contingent uh it's just excellent footballers and excellent people both on and off the pitch so it's it's been a tremendous experience and Hopefully now going forward over the next couple of months, we can uh, make it an even more enjoyable experience and try and replicate what we did last year and, and bring a trophy up the road.
0: And finally, games against the Ulster College's All-Stars side has been a regular feature of your tenure here at Queen's and you played them again a couple of weeks back. Are there any players from that squad that stuck out as future stars of the game that you would maybe like to see in uh, Queen's University Green
3: in the coming years? Connor, we did not indeed play the All-Stars there a few weeks ago. Um we found them to be an excellent testers. The uh, the number of talent that's coming through Ulster at the moment just it has to be seen to be believed um, and they were a really really good test for our extended panel because we trailed a few girls that night and we learned an awful lot because the likes of the likes of Avian McCarville there Ashley McInnesby Maeve McCambridge, outstanding footballers um, you factor in maybe the likes of Grace Ferguson there as well uh, Laura De Hunsie, um you know, these girls are, are stand footballers, so Queen's would be would be doing very well if we can attract a number of those girls to the, to the university next year. So I'm joined now for a brief chat
0: about the McKenna Cup campaign by Aidan O'Rourke uh, of Queen's Sport. And Aidan, you're at the match in Newry on Wednesday. Uh, any positives to take from it?
4: <laughs> I suppose if you're looking at the scoreline, probably not, but... Uh... I mean, Wednesday night marked, I suppose, the end of the McKenna Cup campaign and the start line for the Sigerson campaign. Uh, left the lads with ten days of preparation. I think the, the biggest positive was no more injuries. Uh, and at this stage, I think that's the focus for the universities involved. The McKenna Cup get themselves to ten days or um, a couple of weeks out from Sigerson. First round with as few injuries as possible and a clear run, hopefully. Um, so that's I presume that's where Queens are. The coaches would be happy not to have picked up any more injuries and and can look ahead now.
0: Were there any players in particular who stood out for you on the night as really competing at that level?
4: Well, across the board, um, the difficulty for for players at that level for ourselves and the other colleges are that three games of that intensity and physicality in 10 days is very difficult for the colleges. Um, as a starting point, you're, you're down players, you're with the counties, or you, you you may not have full panel in terms of injuries and, and whatever else. And asking the same small core group of players to play those three games at that higher intensity is very difficult because by the very nature of where they are in their development our teams are not as well conditioned as county teams are and uh, they have to try and match that intensity which is above Sigurdsson Cup pace and intensity uh, three days in ten days or three times in ten days which makes it difficult um, so th- the players that put their hand up and did well across the three games probably did did so um, in little glimpses and I think chatting to the coaches they're happy with uh what they saw in, in patches from the players in combinations and individually. So, uh, you know, looking on, on Wednesday night, uh, people like Callum O'Neill and Daniel Guinness, um, very strong leaders in the team and, and competed throughout. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily just isolate those two lads um, across the board. There were there were glimpses of what the team were capable of, but the challenge now for Shane and the coaches is to weave all that together ahead of a a, a tough first round at home to Maynooth on Sunday week.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, um, so I suppose over the last couple of weeks, there's been quite a lot of commentary in the press about the competition and about universities competing. If we look at the results on Wednesday night, uh, Queen's, Jordanstown, and St. Mary's all went down to defeats and um, probably wasn't a vintage year for the universities. Seems there's been a bit of a paradigm shift in the sort of last 10 years since the universities have been competing in terms of preparation, whereas before maybe universities might have had 25 or 30 collective sessions and counties would have had very few. Now it seems the counties might have maybe 40 or 45 sessions Sessions done before the McKenna Cup comes in terms of, of collective training. Uh, since that seems to be the case, uh, what do you think is the future for universities competing?
4: I do think it's time for a review and taking stock of the value for everyone. Um, I mean, the Colleges have been competitive in some of the games and that has been the pattern across recent years but um, more often than not, we're not competing at the moment and when I think it's about 10 years or so since we, the Queen's were in the McKenna Cup final um, and I think the natural advantages that we used to have have probably uh, slowly disappeared. Uh, those include having a full panel. Uh, the, those days are gone because this time of year is so important for county managers now that they want their players and that's understandable. Um, the natural advantages of fitness at this time of year that we used to have coming off a rank Cup campaign and getting ready for Sigurdsson, whereas county teams were coming back after Christmas just sort of rearing their head and thinking about getting going again. That's long gone. County teams are training since November if they ever stop. Uh, so that is gone also and in in recent years people have become more aware of the importance of game plan and uh, having that honed and focusing on it at this stage of the season and that used to be a significant advantage for the colleges uh, whereas county teams are now paying attention to all of that in detail. Uh, So all of our natural (laughs) advantages um, put on top of us feeling weakened teams mean that the games really have become... For us, try can we get through without injuries, and for the counties, rather meaningless in terms of a contest and for long periods. So, I think it is time to have a look at uh, just what the the aim of the competition is from everybody's perspective, and and have a look at what the best way forward is.
0: I'm sure we'll all be doing that in the next twelve months. But just on a I suppose a, a brighter note, it was. It was nice over the couple of games in the Mechanic Cup to see so many Queen's graduates turning out for Donegal and for Down. Um, what do you think we're doing so well here at Queen's that allows players that opportunity to really blossom uh, after they've graduated?
4: Yeah, I suppose um, what we do in terms of player development has changed in some ways from from the traditional uh, elements of what we did. We Obviously, through the, the early stages of uh, the club here, right from the 50s and and uh, we have an anniversary coming up for the 58th and Cup winning team right through following decades we, we were producing um, sort of iconic marquee footballers in, in, in uh, big numbers that were coming through and populating uh, county teams that would go on and win Ulster and all Ireland titles and uh, that continued right up through the 90s Um, but in more recent years with the Sort of third level sector becoming more competitive, and with uh, other colleges expanding their capacity, uh, it's become more of a individual development uh, ground for players. So, what we've found in the last ten years is we're. we're able to assist the development of so many players towards county football um, and the the progress that players make here physically and from a football perspective we like to think we're making a big impact in that and so we're supplying county squads with more and more players and they're flourishing then as they go on and and there's been a long-standing natural relationship between down and queens uh, and that continued and Every time we play them, half the team has previously played for Queen's in the previous five years. It was no different on Wednesday night. and uh, the, the link with Donegal has become stronger over recent years. Um, Anthony McGrath, who's a recent Sigerson manager here and member staff at Queen's, has, has recently moved on. But Anthony would have helped us build the relationships in, in Donegal. And uh, that's that has become very important for the club going forward as well.
0: Okay, thanks for that. I'm sure we'll be back next week to talk a bit more about the forthcoming Sigerson Cup match, but for now, thanks very much. Thanks, Conor. So that's almost all we have time for on this week's edition of Head in the Game. Just one result to report on. Arkemwook's travel to NUIG, as we reported on in last week's pod. Unfortunately, they were defeated by Galway, and now they have to pick up the pieces in a couple of weeks' time against Cardo and St. Pat's, and hopefully they can still progress to the Purcell Shield final. Uh, aside from that, Just to reiterate, the Conor McGurk final this Saturday night at 7 o'clock at the Dub Sports Arena, and that's between Ulster University and Down, and it's £5. Tickets available at the gate. So we'll be back next week with a preview of the Sigerson Cup tie with Maynooth. And we'll have an extended interview with Pat Ryan, one of our hurling coaches who's joined us from County Limerick this year. Thanks to all who tuned in last week, listening on Anchor FM and SoundCloud. We're now available on a much wider array of podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and all of the other main podcast platforms that you may use on your smartphone or tablet. So we hope you'll continue to join us. Please subscribe to the podcast for all of the latest updates, and we'll be back next week with a preview of the. Akerson Cup. Bye-bye for now.